You know what most people forgot that was happening pre-pandemic? Think about it. February of 2020, the economy, we had 128-month economic expansion. That's 128 months of economic expansion in America. Everybody was making money. Everything was great. People were putting money in the market, making millions. Everybody felt great. Then the pandemic hit. And you know what the pandemic did? It exposed bad leadership. Today, we're going to talk about how bad leaders were exposed during the pandemic. So look, as leaders, you're going to go through bad times. But what made the pandemic more challenging than others is the fact that it lasted a long time. You know, you'll have a problem. It'll last a month, a week, a day, few hours, but not six months over and over and over. And this pressure of things we've never experienced before. People are like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to handle this stuff. And so that lasting pressure exposed bad leaders more than ever before because they were typically able to handle pressure for an hour, a day, or a week, or maybe even a month, but definitely not six months. That was one of the things that the pandemic did. The next one is it showed us which leaders were for the people and which leaders were for themselves. This doesn't matter if it's politics or business. You knew which leaders in politics were all about themselves and which leaders in business were all about themselves. You, you kind of saw the fact that some of these leaders were for the people. You may be working at a place and in your office you could say, let me tell you, I learned the people I work with on a daily basis, they were for me. I had no idea they were going to be okay with this. They, we had never done a remote a leadership type of a model before, and, and they were able to get people to the way they handled I just really liked the way they handled it with the people. But during the pandemic, everybody learned if it was about the people or if it was about the boss. Everyone learned about that during the pandemic. Next, it created a filtering process. And what I mean by filtering process is you learned who is a peacetime leader and a wartime leader. It's a purely a filtering process. You never know who's tough until pressure comes. In sports, you don't know who can handle pressure until there's two seconds left on the shot clock and you hand the ball to a guy and Anthony Davis hits the shot with two seconds left and he wins and a Paul George couldn't. You, you don't know the difference between how pressure is handled. It's very easily talked about, but you learn about it during pressure times. It created a very simple filtering process to identify the wartime leaders versus peacetime leaders during the pandemic. It's very good to look good when everything is good. It's very good to look good when the economy expands for 128 months. It's very hard to look good when we have a pandemic for six months. Another thing the pandemic did is it revealed the true character of the leader. And what I mean by the true character of the leader is very simple. Look, you know, I've worked in the financial industry now nearly 20 years. I got in it in 01, so 19 years, right? When 07, I'll never forget, November of 07, I was in California and mortgage companies started shutting down. And, and you saw certain people that were doing business the right way. They were not doing business the right way, but it revealed a lot about their character in 07, 08. And it was a rough time, man. I mean, it was not a good time when the market hit during 07, 08. You know, you had all these repos taking place in San Bernardino Valley. It was not a good time. But character was revealed during those times. The same thing happened during the pandemic. We can, we're very good at hiding ourselves. We're very good at acting. Most of us would make pretty decent Hollywood actors because we act in life, right? As if either everything is good or as if we are doing a great job and then boom, 
something hits and you realize, man, I don't know if I was as tough as I thought I was. I didn't know if I could handle as much pressure as I could. I, I thought I could. But the pandemic definitely revealed that. Here's the other thing during the pandemic is everybody's put under the microscope. Why? Here's why. Look, no one likes being put under the microscope. Why? Because with the microscope comes what? Nitpicking. Watch this. Watch that. Watch this. And it's a lot of judgment. Who the hell wants to be put under a microscope? You ever looked at your skin under a microscope? Your skin may look good on camera and then go look at it under a microscope and look, oh, oh my gosh, my skin is terrible under the microscope, right? Because no one likes that kind of judgment. Look, Ellen DeGeneres just came out this morning with her talk about what kind of a summer she said. So oh, I've had a great summer, obviously being sarcastic. Everybody's talking about, oh, toxic environment, toxic environment, toxic environment. How come no one talked about this while she was crushing it and there was no pandemic? Why, why are they all of a sudden targeting her during the worst time in America in the last couple decades? Minus 9-11, right? How come no one said anything the last 17 years? Well, because it's bad times. And bad times, more people have more times. People have more time to look at you under the microscope. And, and unfortunately, this is not even about good leadership and bad leadership. If you choose to be a leader and make boss-type decisions, eventually the microscope's going to show up. And you either have to be able to handle it and say, look, yes, my standard's never been perfection. My standard's been progress. Or... If you act like you're perfect forever, you're eventually going to be under so much scrutiny and pressure that you're going to have a lot of mental and emotional breakdowns behind closed doors that nobody knows about. If you pitch yourself as this perfect savior that everyone's been waiting for, uh, you'll pay price for it emotionally. And it'll be private. It will not be public. And then eventually you may get to a point that you're going to want to be private and hide for the rest of your life, and you don't want that. Another one is it showed a different leadership style, meaning... You saw people that were wanting to go out there and talk about it. For example, Trump wanted to go out there and talk and take every interview. He talked about it. Biden, you didn't really see Biden being out there talking to people. Cuomo wanted to go out there and talk about it. Newsom wasn't as public as Cuomo was. Cuomo, every day you woke up, there was a New York hearing that he was doing to talk about the problems that they had the night before. And it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And people kind of learned about Cuomo. Most people didn't know about Cuomo. They knew about him in New York, maybe in a couple different places with the story of his uh, brother and his father. But they didn't know how to handle pressure. But you got a chance to see, you know, there was a little bit of levity with his approach under pressure. You know, there was a little bit of royalty with Newsom under pressure. There was a little bit of wartime with Trump under pressure. There was a little bit of hiding with Biden under pressure. You, you kind of just saw everybody on how they were handling things under pressure. And you saw the leadership style that you liked or didn't like. And that was on you where you said, you know, I, I, this wasn't our policy, by the way. But I liked the way Cuomo was handling things with pressure. I, I liked it a lot. You know, I, I became a fan. I became a fan of the fact that he's sitting there coming out there and talking, and people were sitting there asking him questions, and some of the questions was pressure questions, and he didn't like him, but he did to his best of his abilities to answer it. But somehow, some way, the populace felt comfortable about the fact that he was being transparent, at least. Look, when you're being asked hundreds of questions every day, you're not going to nail every single one of them. But at least the people know that you have the audacity to get in front of camera live. This is not, let's pre-record and cut it properly, live to address these issues. We learn about everybody on how to handle it. That's your company. You learn how to handle it. Did they email you? Did they only email communication? Did they do a live or did they do prep videos? 
Did they just sit there on a camera with you on a Zoom or a FaceTime and say, you know, with their hundreds of leaders and say, what's on your mind? What's concerning you? You had the ability to make a decision on how they handle those issues. If your company did it right and you won, well, listen, you better applaud those guys at the top that did it right. If your company didn't, then you also paid a price for it. Again, this is when you realize what's good leadership and what's bad leadership. Next, handling of money and resources. Why is this so important? Here's why. If 128 months you experience economic expansion, shouldn't you by the end of 128 months have more cash than you had a pre 128 months? Meaning, if during the 128 months market goes up and up and up and up and up, you probably should have more capital. You probably should have more money. You probably should have more cash. How does this benefit you? When a crisis takes place, you don't have to do 60% layoffs. When a crisis takes place, you don't have to stop everything that you're doing on a daily basis. When a crisis takes place, you don't come from a place of fear. When a crisis takes place, you don't come from a place of anxiety because you don't have enough money to pay everybody's salary. You're able to make more poised decisions. This is why you saw a lot of companies who were sitting around saying, oh my gosh, we don't have as much capital as we thought we had. We, everybody learned about the travel business. Everybody learned about which companies had no money saved. Everybody learned which retailers were not ready for this. Everybody learned how money is being handled behind closed doors. And those who handled the right, boom, they became wealthier. Those who didn't handle the right, boom, they went out of business like this because there was no capital during the economic expansion that took place. Here's the other one that took place. It created a need for off the cuff uh, uh, you you kind of saw off-the-cuff decision-making process versus research-based. What do I mean by this? So somebody can come in and they're like, well, you know, we have a pandemic taking place. Ah, it's not a big deal. It's going to be fine. This is just a bunch of this. It's going to go away. Okay, great. Maybe, but what if it's not? Are you doing any research? Because you don't know how people are going to react. Let's just say you're right, and that's how you react. But in an economy, it's not about how you react. It's about how the economy is going to react. It's about how the people are going to react. If the people who are your customers react in a certain way and you don't do research on the way they're going to react, you're going to pay a price for this. I don't know if I'm making sense or not. Let me say this one more time. So some people are like, well, it's going to be fine. It's not a big deal. It's going to be totally fine. You may be right, but if you react that way because you're calm, the other 95% who are your customers don't and you don't think about their concerns, you're going to lose them because you have to think about how they're going to react, not how you're going to react. Yes, you being calm and composed helps them, but you still have to understand how the reaction will be, which means what? The next time something like this happens, say the next crisis happens is a war. Say we have an attack. Say we have a espionage situation. Say we have a, a bio-warfare. Say we have a cyber attack that happens to America. Say anything happens that's never happened to you before. How are you going to handle it with the way people are going to respond to it and how much research you're going to do? you got to come back and do a lot of research so it's not just off the cuff without you having a proper research. I've been on both sides. I made off the cuff comments that I wasn't prepared and I paid a price for it. And I realized it's better off me going out there doing a little bit of research. Every time I have done more research about a topic, I've made better decisions. Every time it's been off the cuff without a lot of research, I paid a price for it. So the recommendation is spend some time adding the research the next time crisis takes place. Let's continue. It also showed how many leaders seek counsel and how many didn't. Meaning, how many leaders went to a, a, a group of people who have been through this before to say, how should we handle this situation here? 
I've never been this, uh, through this before. What do you think? Look, I, I, I run an insurance company myself. We have now around 17,000 agents. And when that took place, one of the CEOs I respect the most called me. I respect him. He's my mentor. He called me. And he says, so what do you think about the handling right now? What are you guys doing about this? What are you guys doing about that? How are you guys handling this? How are you guys handling that? You know what it made me think about? Here's a guy that runs a $40 billion company is calling me. So I'm sitting there saying, who are you calling, right? And I have my list of people that I was calling to get advice. But him and I always go back and forth. So you sit there and you realize, man, if this guy that's running a $40 billion company, how about the rest? And we had a great hour and a half conversation together. He said, how are you guys doing this? I said, we're doing this. What are you guys doing about this? We're doing this. Well, we don't know what to do about this. How are you guys doing this? We're doing this. Okay, that's good. We're going to do that. By the way, we're doing this. If you want to take up, think about doing this, oh, that's a great idea. We'll do this. What happened by the time of that collaboration with other people that are also going through the same issue, you came up with better ideas on how to handle it within your own company. Another thing that gets exposed during the pandemic was a lack of empathy. What do I mean by lack of empathy? Look, a lot happened. You know, some can be fake, some can be real, some can be, some can be uh, you, know, uh, you know, maybe even exaggerated. But regardless, you'll learn whose approach was filled with empathy. You'll learn whose approach was understanding. You'll learn whose approach was, I understand that this is something that's concerning you. I totally get it. You know, here's how I see it, but I totally understand where you're coming from. Empathy has a tendency of creating a retention model in your company, and you learn very quickly who is someone that leads with empathy and who doesn't. Last point I'll make to you is the following. The pandemic also forced you to take a stand. A lot of people don't want to take a stand because if you take a stand, you may not like, and certain people may not like you. When you take a stand, you may have a group of people that may be against you. But it forced you to take a stand. Leaders have to take a stand during the pandemic. You can just go out there and be vanilla. If you were vanilla, you probably lost people. If you were vanilla, you probably lost clients. You had to take a stand. People had to kind of see your position. Whether they agree or not, people respect the fact that you took a stand. Here's where I'm at, guys. Based on the information I have, I believe that, 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 that. And those who took a stand, they came out of it good. Look, all of these things we're talking about, I can set the stuff out and add another 20 points to it. The whole moral of the story about this video is leadership is tough. Leadership is not easy. Leadership is emotional. Leadership is not about perfection. Leadership is about progress. Leadership is about you saying, I'm going to get better. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to make some mistakes. But I'm not going to try to win 100% of people because you're not. A leader that tries to win 100% of people, they typically don't have any real loyal followers because you're not going to have any of that stuff. But also a leader who is not willing to do their best to lead every kinds of people is also not the best kind of people. Meaning, if you only know how to lead people that like you, you're not a leader. If you only know how to lead people who think you're awesome, then you're not a great leader. If you only know how to lead people who agree with you, then you're not a great leader. Then you got some work to do as a leader. Because, you know, when I was running a small organization in a small sales office with five people, it was very easy. Everybody liked me. When I went to 50, there were some people that didn't like me, and I liked that. But I had to learn. But the moment I couldn't handle it, my organization shrunk. I'm like, wait a minute, why are you trying to get everybody like you? Then we went to 100 people. Then 500 people, then 1,000 people. And a lot of people were like, oh, my gosh, I don't agree with your style on how you're doing this. I totally understand, but I'm going to try to accommodate everybody in the company, but I'm going to stick to my style and what I take a stand on. This is what I'm all about. So leadership's got a lot of benefits, but it's also got some stuff. This is why many people don't want to take leadership positions. This is why many people say, I don't want that kind of responsibility. I was always curious, and you know, when I go to certain people and I say, I want to promote you to a manager, 
You know how many people in my career when I went to them to say, I want to promote you to manager, they said, I don't want to. I said, what do you mean? They said, I don't want to be a manager. Why don't you want to be a manager? Just let me do my job. Why not? Because I just don't want to be judged if I make the wrong call as a leader. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But guess what? That's okay. Not everybody wants that. Not everybody wants to be a shot caller and be judged for the bad shots that you called. Not everybody wants that. But this damn pandemic, let me tell you, this pandemic definitely exposed uh, and revealed a lot about all of us, you and I, all of us during the pandemic. And uh, my hope is uh, that during this pandemic, we all came out better, stronger in a way where you're able to look at some of the bad mistakes you made to get better. So the next time a crisis happens, we know how to handle it because bad times are coming again, just so you know that. We're going to have some good times, but I guarantee you there's more bad times. And hopefully this made you a better leader so you know how to handle next time when this thing comes around better and better and better. And again, if you're watching this and you're asking yourself, I want to find a way to become a better leader, I did a video a few months ago due to the pandemic titled Wartime Leadership versus Peacetime Leadership. If you've not watched it, click over here to watch that video. And if you're not subscribed to the channel, please do so. Thanks for watching, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.